please rate, review, and subscribe to Dare to Explore wherever you listen to podcasts. Dare to Explore is presented by the Space Camp Explorers Club, a new way to support the U.S. Space and Rocket Center and Space Camp. Members of the Space Camp Explorers Club gain exclusive access to content, behind-the-scenes stories, and members-only swag. To learn more, visit SpaceCampExplorersClub.org. So Space Camp is such a cool, unique place. You know, I, I got to go to Space Camp one year for the International Teacher Camp, and that was a blast. That was that was awesome. So I finally got my wings after after all these years. Uh, I got to actually graduate with a with a crew of other teachers, and that was uh, it was Teachers of the Year and International Teachers. But yeah, great fun. I'd go to space in a in a New York minute. Jim Allen is the accessibility coordinator for the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired. He served as their webmaster and assistive technology specialist. He's also been coordinating and bringing Texas students to SciViz, Space Camp for Interested Visually Impaired Students, for more than 20 years. And he serves as a technical expert for the program. I'm Ryan Fariselli. Join me as I learn what makes this extraordinary individual dare to explore. I've got a spaceship that I'm waiting for. Um, born in in Germany in a German hospital because my mother was not yet a citizen, although my father was in the army. I came to the United States the first time as an infant, and I went through uh, Ellis Island with my mother. They left again, and then we moved back and forth between Germany and Ethiopia because uh, my father was in the army. And then I came to the States in my first time, or my first experience for the States was in 1965 in North Carolina. Then two years later, we moved to El Paso. And so I did, you know, middle school and high school, moved to uh, Austin, Texas in like 73 to go to uh, college and have been here ever since. Childhood was, you know, Department of Defense schools and uh, on base. And in Ethiopia, our base was like one mile square, so it was an itty-bitty thing. But we had a a K-12 school program, and so that was, uh, it was, you know, great fun. You attended the University of Texas in Austin. What did you go there to major in? Well, I I started majoring in engineering and was going to go mechanical engineering and was going to do nuclear engineering, was in ROTC, but then um, I found out I had a, 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 as I call it, a cellular level problem with authority, and uh, decided. <laughs> is, that, that is that the official the, diagnosis? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That uh, you know the the, the Navy was not going to be an appropriate place 
And <laughs> I was working, um, you know, graveyard at Jack in the Box. Sure. And trying to go, and trying to go to engineering school, you know. So getting off work at six o'clock in the morning and then going to engineering school was not really conducive to um, grades and studying. And so um, I didn't do so well. And then I started volunteering because I sat out a semester. And one of my friends at Jack in the Box said, well, you know, there's this rehab center uh, working with uh, blind people. Why don't you come volunteer? And so I started doing that with adults who were blind. And then I went to uh, uh, right across the street was a school for the blind and started volunteering there. And like, this is this is some fun stuff. I like working with the kids. <laughs> and just so happened that UT had one of six or eight programs in the country on becoming a teacher of the visually impaired. And so I switched majors and became a a teacher of kids who are blind or had visual impairments. So I have to know a lot about the eye and I had to learn braille. And But at the same time, back then you could get a degree or you got a certification as an elementary teacher and as a teacher of the visually impaired. And then I had a minor in math because, you know, I had those engineering classes and, and why let all my calculus and stuff go to waste? Right. So I had a had a math major. And when I finally graduated, let's see, I did a minor in math. I had 12 hours in astronomy, <laughs> uh, 12 hours in English and, you know, some chemistry and a bunch of physics. And <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I had courses all over. So I went to, to teach in a public school. I was an itinerant teacher, which means have, have car will teach. <laughs> so in, in my district, uh, because we try to keep the kids in their home school. Um, so my job was because you don't, you don't have a classroom of, you know, 25 visually impaired kids. Uh, so I traveled all across the district and did a thousand miles a month. Wow. Uh, going all to all the different schools, seeing the kids. So I was working on their vision problems, but also having to talk to the elementary teachers, the reading teacher, the, you know, the chemistry teacher, the physics teacher, the music teacher in high school and the calculus teacher working on materials modification and, you know, and finding, you know, support materials for the student. You said while you were getting your, your degree, uh, that one of the things you had to do was learn to read Braille. What, what are some of the challenges? What is, what is that like? Okay. So the, um, so you read Braille with your eyes cause you, you, we don't have the, the sensitivity. I mean, we, we do, but it takes development. So, I, mean, I read, read Braille with my fingers, but it would take a long time to develop that because you're always looking at it and reading it and your eyes pretty much overrule anything your fingers would tell them. Right. The thing about Braille is that you only have six dots, right? There are two, two columns of three dots. You can get all the letters and numbers on the keyboard in those, um, I think it's a 64 dot combination, two to the sixth. 
there's so it's it's learning the patterns because the first 10 characters in braille which is a through j or the numbers one through zero take up the first four dots in the top part of the cell so that on the on the left side of a braille cell are dots one two three and on the right side of the cell are dots four five six right so the first 10 letters of the alphabet are uh, dots one and uh, four and two and five. So you get, you know, it's, and they follow a certain pattern to get the A through J. The next 10 letters of the alphabet, they just add a dot three to everything. <laughs> okay. So it's the same, the same characters, except it's got that extra dot down there. And then the next um, set of characters, you know, from 21 through 26 have the uh, and uh, the dot six added to it, except for W, which falls out of the pattern because Braille was originally a French uh, alphabet, and fr- uh, French doesn't have a W in it. Huh. So it it breaks the pattern, <laughs> and uh, that's but you, you you learn it in a semester in addition to you know all your eye anatomy and visual conditions and materials modification and psychosocial issues and a bunch of other stuff. After 10 years as an itinerant teacher, Jim became the assistive technology specialist at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired. He built the school's first network and helped connect their computers to refreshable braille displays, screen readers, and screen magnifiers. The Apple IIe had just come out. (laughs) And man, I, you know... I just sort of glommed on to that Apple IIe. That was that was great fun. And they they had a uh, a synthesizer card, an Echo, that would speak. And then there was this editor that we had would do um, so you could type on the screen and edit it and translate it into Braille, or you could um, format it such that it gave you large print. And it would all talk to you at the same time. The Intuitive Planetarium is an immersive digital dome theater experience that offers educational astronomy shows, live entertainment, and exciting theater experiences. The only one of its kind in the Southeast, the Intuitive Planetarium at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center offers an 8K digital planetarium and digital dome experience. Additional time tickets are required for Intuitive Planetarium experiences. Visit rocketcenter.com for tickets today. Surprisingly, I had never heard of Space Camp or the movie or anything. (laughs) Somehow somebody at the school found out about it and had set up to take uh, a kid to Space Camp. And this person, something came up in their life and they couldn't go. And so they needed a replacement. And they said, "Uh, Jim, there's this program called space camp and we want to send a kid and you're the spaciest person we know <laughs> and would you like to go 
And I said, absolutely, you know, send me. And I said, what is it? <laughs> it, was, it, but it was, you know, space camp. That was that that sold me right there. Right. And I, I had one of the big VHS video cameras. Mm-hmm. I checked out from the school and took with me. And, you know, literally, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. When, when we were coming in the bus and, you know, we saw the Saturn 1B because they hadn't, uh, hadn't, they didn't have the Saturn V up yet. And then I saw the HAB. It was like, oh, my God, this is, and if I don't do anything else this week, this has been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I videoed everything the, because back then the HAB had earth viewing ports is how they were labeled. And, you know, and oh, I was, yeah, I just had the biggest time and all the materials were, were done in, you know, in in Braille and we were doing all kinds of things with the kids. I think we had, I don't know, 80 kids there that year, something like that. Me with my little one and, and I met, you know, just the best teachers. So there was a gang of us that had the same kids on a team. And so we hung around for the whole week and, you know, talked all kinds of everything about um, space and teaching kids and learned tons and tons and tons about space, but also about, you know, how other people approach various, you know, teaching issues or different kids. That was just, it's like, oh man, and I think I didn't, I didn't buy a flight suit that year, but now I have four. Um, <laughs> and the, the next year, I didn't get to go because the person who was supposed to go uh, the year I went got to go. And then they moved on and I took over. And the next time I went, I was, you know, I got my flight suit. So I've been taking kids every year since then so we texas celebrated our 20 20 25th yeah anniversary like two years ago and we made a, a, a patch of a you know an astronaut with uh, cowboy boots uh <laughs> standing standing on the moon with a texas flag right um that that's a, a darn cool patch so i was going and taking kids and taking kids was noticing all the technology and stuff they were doing and back then they were using a unix system and it's like so we could we could make that talk we were using a uh, screen reader called uh, vocalize to make that talk but there was a, a a wonderful lady kathy johnson who ran the advanced program there was more technology involved there and after a couple of years it's like oh she stopped me one day and said, Jim, could you come see me about this? And and then I went and helped and we worked through this problem. And because she was trying to do all the Braille materials at the same time as running the advanced program, which is a massive amount. Because no matter how many books we had and thought we had all the scripts and everything done, there was always something new every year. It's like, oh, we did this, change this thing. It's like, well, nobody sent us the files. <laughs> or something on the fly. And so we'd have to, you know, she was running the Braille writer at night in the in the hab, cranking out, you know, just reams and reams of paper for the kids. And so I took over 
the uh, advanced academy stuff and started doing more with the tech troubleshooting and problem solving that. I don't remember what it was. I think it was in the in the early aughts or shortly thereafter, the uh, space camp switched to, um, they did away with their Unix software and got some simulation software from uh, Binary Star, but it was all graphics and none of it would talk. So we approached Space Camp and said, you know, can we, can you guys do this? Or, you know, we're not going to be able to participate. You're going to put this on all the computers. And so they said, so what is it that you need? So we explained to them how the, uh, what a screen reader does and, you know, just explain the basic needs. And they watched how a screen reader worked and we tried with a bunch of things. They came back and had programmed some, some really fine stuff. And then I, uh, we beta tested it. So the software we have today is really darn fine. You just send one little command and this is, this is available all the time. And you send one little command that says VI enable and bango, it all talks. <laughs> but they, they, they all talk and they have four levels of magnification. The text designed a little uh, keypad, which we call the, the SciViz keypad for SciViz uh, is an acronym for Space Camp for Interested Visually Impaired Students. That's also what that week program is called when the, right. the folks come in. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, from what I understand, we are the, the largest single group, um, you know, that comes in as a group that Space Camp has. The, the SciViz keypad has buttons for moving around the various parts of the screen. And there's a special button that always reads the time. And of course, I always have to tell the kids that it takes five seconds for it to read the time. So whatever time it just said, it's five seconds past that. And if you had to launch, you're late, <laughs> you know, and the kids get, you know, a, a, a 10 minute lesson on how to use the keypad and do the magnification. And it's, you know, simple enough and quick enough that they just pick it right up. Was this all like a side gig that you did this while you were still at the, the school in Texas? No, this, this was all while I was at the school and it wasn't, this was a volunteer effort. You know, this was, you know, Cybiz gets in your blood. You know, when we bring 200 kids, we'll have 70 chaperones, teachers, all teachers of the visually impaired or orientation and mobility specialists. And we're doing, you know, back work, supporting. So the crew trainers do the thing they know best, which is space, team building and leadership and all that sort of stuff. But it's when the kid has trouble with trying to read the braille because they're a beginning braille reader or how does this work or I can't find this button and the teachers step in in the background and facilitate whatever needs to happen so that the uh, crew trainers can do the things that they need to do so you know I've been going for 25 years there are other teachers who've been going for 15 years or 10 years you know we have many 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 repeats because it's such a, a cool, special program that, I mean, we've, you know, I've literally seen kids change, you know, it, it, we changed their life. I've had teachers call me and say, what did you do to my kid? <laughs> <laughs> like, 
what what do you mean he said look i sent you this 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 kid who is just sort of you know farting around getting along and not really stretching themselves and and you send me back this this gung-ho suddenly their their grades instead of being c's and d's or a's and b's and they they want they're interested in taking you know more science or they, they find math cool or you know it's like what did you do it's like i didn't do anything space camp did it <laughs> all i did was take them there and, and and make it happen you know so when we approached uh space camp about making it all accessible and they found the money and and made it accessible you know i was going to do anything i could to make sure that that was uh successful i take kids but i haven't had kid responsibilities for probably 15 years because i've been doing you know back work and making sure that you know if we if they have some new experiments and you need a, a scale and it's like, okay, let's go find us a talking scale and figure out how we're going to buy it. So what do you do today then? So are you still at the Texas School for the Blind? Yeah. So I'm, I'm the uh, accessibility coordinator. So I gave up, uh, see, I started the website in 97 and stopped being the webmaster in... Uh, 2015 and by then it was the um, you know one of the best uh, websites in the world for instruction you know resources and information about how to teach blind kids and became the uh, accessibility coordinator so I try and make sure that you know everything we buy and all the materials we create on campus are accessible right you know like 99 percent of educational software is not accessible so we can't make it talk although it's getting better most a lot of apps on portable devices will um, seem to be better than websites but still you have to talk to the company it's like well you know you've got these these nine buttons that just say button and <laughs> you know and some of them don't say anything um and so it's like, could you label those buttons so that our students can get to it and we can use your software? And uh, some companies are really open to that sort of stuff and other companies are going, what? No, not going to happen. Right. And, uh, and it's the same thing with not only educational software, but, you know, any sort of, you know, inventory control or the uh, help desk software we use at the school or whatever. We've had to talk to them all because we have, you know, employees who use screen readers and screen magnification. And, you know, they have to put in a help desk ticket. So they have to be able to use the app, which means that when you get to the form control, it just doesn't say edit. <laughs> it says, you know, name, edit. And when it, you know, and, and it's, and the buttons say more than just button. It's like, okay, I know it's a button. What does it do? You know, does it, submit something does it take all my money does it you know what so when i talk to these people about making their stuff accessible i try and give them as much information as i possibly can including possible solutions so that we can get it so our staff and students can use it and that's sort of the same thing i try and do when we're at space camp is you know make that stuff work 
So today at Space Camp, then, you coordinate the technology and you also coordinate uh, a lot of the kids coming in and, and their arrival and intake, right? Well, I do that for Texas, yeah. Okay. But yeah, so I, I coordinate, but I don't have kid responsibilities during the week. I do the the tech stuff and background and, and tech support for the... Um, we have a, a, a place called Braille Central where Dan who does all the money and runs all the you know sort of personnel stuff and interfaces with Space Camp and then there's uh, another lady Trina who does all the braille and so we've got a braille embosser and a couple of other machines and binding machines and all kind of stuff and sometimes that stuff doesn't work so I do all the tech support for that. I know way more about things, how they work in the background from the text than I probably should, but it, <laughs> it, it uh, or probably the people should know about. But anyway, it, uh, you know, it's helped a lot over the years and they were willing to share and, and we have a good time, you know, geeking out. Did you attend space camp when you were young? Join the Space Camp Alumni Association, a group for graduates of all Space Camp programs to connect and support Space Camp from around the world. Your mission doesn't end at graduation. With Space Camp chapters located across the country and virtual networking opportunities, join the team to support the next generation of Space Camp trainees. Visit SpaceCampAlumni.com for more information and to join your local chapter today. If you had a, a chance to go up into space today, would would you go? Oh yeah, in a heartbeat. <laughs> but I, 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 I you know, I, I want to do more than you know. Oh gosh, I, I got to see the curvature of the Earth, and now I'm back down. That's uh, no, you know, give me give me a week or two, you know, put me on the moon. You know, when I was in when I was in graduate school. It's like it, it makes your professors look good when you graduate. <laughs> it's it's like, true. It's it's true. And, you know, they want you to graduate, but they're not going to give it to you. You have to work for it. And and you got to you got to have something get up and go in order for things to happen. Because those that have it are going to move a lot further, a lot faster than those who are just sort of hanging around and waiting for something to happen. And it, um, I had one of those NASA posters that says your, your attitude determines your altitude. And that you, you get out of it what you put into it. And the more you put into it, the, the further you will go. And if you're interested, don't let anybody stop you. They were there. People want you to succeed and allow them to help you succeed. I've got a spaceship that I'm waiting for I'm flying up to the stars I'm gonna dare to explore this time And I'll let you know